0: Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Second Kings chapter 4. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem at, where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall, and let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand, so it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. What a story! And it happened one day, and I think sometimes we under underestimate the power of one day. Just one day. And I, 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 I know a lot of people that they are they are trapped in yesterday, or they're trapped in hopes for tomorrow, but. In reality, you and I are confined to this day right now. This one day. Within 24 hours, this this day will become your yesterday. And Lord willing, if your wife doesn't kill you because of a comment you made in church, then you'll see tomorrow, okay? But we are confined to this one day. This day right here, right now, is the day that the Lord has made. This day. This is the one day we have. We, we know, if you continue to read about this, this lady, we we know that she has tragedies that are coming down the road to her. We, we know that that she has issues that are coming that she doesn't even know about but but on this day she has her own wrestlings you understand you read the story you find out that she's a relatively young woman and she has for some reason married an older man and and she can see she's not stupid she can see that his time on earth is limited and and though life has been somewhat good to her she's a notable woman which means She's a woman of a certain means. It means that she is, she is, carries a certain honor with her. She has, she has financial resources. She's living in a nice place and she's taken care of it in reality, but she knows that something is, is still missing from her life. And she sees life going by her day after day. She sees and hears the people in the crowds passing in the street and she looks out the window and something inside of her is yearning for something more. Some would say you ought to be satisfied. You have a lo- husband who seems like he loves you. You have a husband you, you can talk to. He's taking care of you. You're healthy. You're strong. You're fed. You have a roof over your head. Why can't you be satisfied with that. And yet I, I hear the enemy. The enemy is to the church here in America some of those very same things. I, I believe we ought to be thankful for what we have, but, but I, don't, I, I don't think that we ought to be stuck there. And the enemy tells the American church you've got a comfortable building to go into and padded pews and temperature controlled and there'll be a good sermon and, a, and worship will happen and, and you've got a husband or a wife and you've got kids and life is good right now. Why can't you be satisfied with that? But reality, we, we will be one day answer for this one day. What did we do with today? In a few minutes, we're going to have an opportunity to engage God in prayer. And what we do in that one day, through all these years of preaching, I, my wife and I have seen a lot of one days where it was a service, and, and there were people sitting there that would never be back again. They've been old, they've been young, they've been strong, they've been weak, they've been male, they've been female, and And here's the reality, not one of them knew that. They sat in a church service just like this and and listened to the preaching and engaged in worship and maybe gave in the offering and not a one of them knew that they would never be back there again. What did they do with that One day. One day. One day she sat there and she's looking out the window and she doesn't know the tragedies that are coming. She doesn't know what's facing her just a, a little ways down the road. She knows that right now in this one day, she's lacking something. That in that word notable is also means she's a lady of good character. This is a good woman. This is a woman who... As much as you can in the Old Testament, she had a relationship with God. You, you get that sense because she noticed another person who had a relationship with God. And she sees him go by. You know that she knows he's got a relationship with God because she says to her husband, Hey, you know, I see this guy and he, he has something. He's a man of God. And I want more than what I have right now. Church, do you want more? Can I tell you that if all you get of God is what you get inside of these walls, it's not nearly enough? Do you want more? Do you you want more than just a roof over your head and food in the refrigerator? and a job and some health. Do you, do, are you hungry for more? Because she was. She couldn't know. She couldn't have any idea how desperately she was going to need this connection with the man of God. But alone in this one day, surrounded with all of her resources, she wanted more. More. You see, I believe with all of my heart there is a, the opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. The opportunity for us to be involved in an awakening that's coming to America. But what we do with our one day can determine... Each day, when you have that one day, you're not promised tomorrow. You can do nothing to affect what happened yesterday. We are stuck in today. He is a God of the right now. The one day, right now. Some time ago, as I was praying, my wife and I, early in our ministry, we we were committed to seeing a, a move of God happen in this nation. And I remember us living in that little converted motel room, and with our forty-five dollar a week rent. And it's late at night, and she's in the bathroom, and she's getting ready for bed, which is quite an ordeal for women, I guess. I just knock off the crusty stuff and lay down. And I'm I'm reading, and I'm reading in Revelation three where. He talks about the church age that you and I are living in, and he said, "You think you're rich and increased with goods, and you have need of nothing, and you don't even understand that you're poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked." I remember reading that for the dozen time, and I, 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 I made one of the few prayers I, I, I sometimes think I wish I hadn't have ever prayed. I'm laying on in the, in the floor and I'm reading that and I say, God, if we're called in this day and age to minister to that church, I need to know, we need to know, how you feel when you have to write that. That your body in the last days is struggling with knowing who they are. How do you feel when... When, 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 when that is a reality, and as I'm saying that, I'm not a man that's given order over to emotion, but emotion swelled up inside of me, and it was the most horrible feeling I've ever had in my life. The only way that I could explain it is, is to envision the person that you love the most, and they're being dragged into a wood chipper, and it's chewing them up as they scream at you for help. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. I literally felt ill to my stomach. I thought I was going to lose the contents of it because I was just so drawn with, that's how it feels, God? When you look at a church that could be so much and yet they have settled for so little. And so for that time we've been praying and I've been praying that that, that God do another Acts chapter 2. Suddenly, i been praying that God would put the wonder and the awe back in the church. The Holy Spirit checked me. He said this, this last day move is going to look less like Acts chapter 2 and more like the Song of Solomon. I stopped and I thought, what, 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 does, that, what does that mean? I, I had to go back and look. And in the Song of Solomon, the, the Beloved is laying in bed and she awakens and she notices that her lover is now gone. And she, she misses him. She's, she's comfortable in her bed. She's safe in her bed. In her bed it's warm and it's safe and it's comfortable, but, but none of that is enough. She gets up and the Bible says that she goes out into the streets looking for him. And I believe that's a symbol or or a type of what the move of God's going. We in the church in America need to wake up. We don't have as much of God as we think we do. Give me a Presbyterian amen if you can't do anything else. There's more than that and we, we need to wake up and... And, and and lose all the the garbage and the nonsense and a heart needs to go after him afresh and anew. Somebody said this morning in leadership that we need to go after our first love again they're absolutely right and so she here she was she had a warm bed she had a house and and she had a husband and for all intents and purposes, it seems like life is okay, but but if you look closer, there are cracks in her life. She has a husband that is old, and she's young. I don't know what took place to put her in that position. I don't know why a young lady would choose to marry an old man. I don't know that. But she did. And now she sees that... Everything she thought she needed she's god, and yet it isn't enough i'm I'm missing something i'm i'm not satisfied and so one day just just one day one day like today i'm i'm im i'm, I'm awestruck when i think about the reality that Everything I preach, I will answer to God for. It's not only being recorded here. It's being recorded in heaven. I remember one time I was asked to go preach at a small church. And I knew they were struggling. I had a heart for them. And and I, I went with the anticipation of sharing an encouraging word. I wanted to rally the troops. I wanted to to leave there with them excited about their future. But as I would spend all day on my face before God and asking Him, what do I preach? He wasn't giving me that. It was hard. I didn't want that, but that's what He gave me. And and I think I was only there for two or three nights, and it was over, and I did my best to share the heart of God, and it was was really kind of in-your-face stuff. And I remember leaving there, and I stopped at a McDonald's to get a cup of coffee on the last night so that I could stay awake driving home, and I sat in the parking lot, and I, I said, God, that didn't go at all like I wanted. Really wanted to encourage them, and I felt like I beat them up. And I wasn't angry. It wasn't, you know, if I, if I ever have to preach and I'm mad, I'm just going to tell Derek, you just keep singing. I ain't preaching today. That's just not who I am. I said, God, what was that all about? This is what he said to me. I will use your words against them on that day. Wow. They didn't respond. God challenged them. I think, I don't know, I don't know that church that well. I think they'd been through a season where he loved on them and they didn't respond. Now he challenged them. They didn't respond. They're closed now. They're gone. One parable said it this way. We danced and you didn't dance. We sang. You didn't sing. Right now, today. Right now, this day. This day. This day is the only one we can influence. It happened one day that she saw that man of God passing by again. And she persuaded him to eat some food. We we have no evidence whether he came into the house or she went out to him. We only know that She persuaded him to eat some food. Listen to me for a moment. This is a tightrope for me to walk. I believe in the love and the mercy and grace of God. What I'm sharing with you isn't about your salvation. It isn't even about your place in the kingdom. It's about how much of God do you have? What have you done? What have we done lately to persuade God? What are are we doing to persuade Him to do something here? I might want to be a part of what God's doing in these last days. I sure do. I want want to be right in the middle, not for any glory's sake. I just can't find anything better to do with my life than to be right in the middle of whatever God is doing. I don't want awakening to happen in America and I'm not a part of it. If it can happen without me, that's fine, but I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And so I ask you, church, the question, what are we doing to persuade God? There's a story in Mark chapter 10 where it says, And Jesus and the disciples went to Jericho. It doesn't tell you anything they did in that town. It doesn't speak of one healing, one deliverance. I don't know what took place. It simply says in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus and his disciples went into Jericho, and as they were leaving, with the entourage and the crowd and the noise, that at the side of the road was a little guy called Bartimaeus. And you see, he was blind. And and Jesus and the disciples and the entourage and the crowd passed by and blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd said to him, Hey, shh, hey don't, don't quiet down. What are you doing? Be quiet. I think that's the enemy to the church sometimes. I guess maybe the correct thing to do would have been to be quiet. Everybody wants you quiet. I guess you'd be quiet except here's the problem. The crowd isn't the one blind. And I, I see in this a parallel to Revelation chapter 3 because one of the things that the church in the last day is, is it's blind. And I said before, there's only one thing worse than being blind, and that is being blind and you don't know it. And blind Bartimaeus was tired of being blind. I was reading a number of years ago the story when they were persecuting Jesus and at one point the guards took and they put a blindfold on his head so that he couldn't see. And the Bible says that they struck him and said, prophesy, who hit you? And my heart broke for that. God Himself. How could how could we do that to God? Mock Him like that, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit quickened my heart, and He said, "That's a symbol of the church today. Things are hitting them, and they have no idea what's going on because they're blind." get to the place where we, we don't even know what's going on. We, we, we see the news in the end time and we don't, we don't know what's going on. We, we are playing right into the book of Matthew where it says that as these days are approaching there will be people just marrying and giving in marriage. It's just business as usual. But it's not business as usual. In fact, this woman, she says to her husband, look now. Look now. Right now you got to look. You can't can't look later. You you can't have looked. You can't will look sometime. She says to her husband, look now. Right now. We're in a unique time. I'm not an alarmist. My wife and I have been engaged in this almost three decades. We're not alarmists, but I'm telling you, look now. Now is the time. Now is the time to wake up and be the church. Now's the time to, to lay aside every sin and weight that does so easily beset us. Now's the time. And so Bartimaeus by the side of the road, he his attitude was listen, you can keep your opinion to yourself. I'm tired of being blind. I'm tired of being helpless. I'm tired of life like this. And so the Bible says that he cried all the louder. Hey David, hey Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Are you tired of being blind? Are you tired of bad things happening in your life and you don't know whether it's a a chastisement or it's the devil? Are you tired of good things happening in your life and you don't know if it's a trick of the devil or it's a gift of God? Are you tired of walking through life blind? You just wake up and you just deal with whatever's in front of you. No purpose. God loves you. He has a plan for you. And he wants the people that love him and understand that listen to me for a moment. You won't get everything. I don't understand everything with God. There are things that have happened in my life. I don't know why they happen, but, but I came to this understanding. If I knew everything, guess what? That makes me God. That my relationship with him will be in part based on the reality he knows everything. My knowledge is limited, but I can still trust him. I can trust him to know that he knows everything. And that everything will work together for my good. It's called trust. If I know why something happened, it's not trust. It's not trust. I've had tragedies. My wife and I have had have had tragedies strike our life. We don't know why. But this we know. He's a good God. And if I knew everything, I'm like Adam and Eve back in the garden, deciding what's good and what's evil. If you're waiting to know everything, you'll always be waiting to know. I know this. He knows everything. I don't know everything. I will never know everything. I'm okay with that. Don't like it. I'm okay with that. That makes him God. Makes him God. Makes me not. And I'm okay with that. So she said, Husband, listen. Do you do you mind? Could we could we change some things about our house? I, I I don't I don't I don't want you see the parallel here? Let me just change the characters for a minute. I don't want God just going by. I don't want to drive by God. I want more in my relationship with God than to go to church and hear the worship leader tell me God loves me and hear the pastor tell me God loves me and go out and live any old way I want. I just, you know, am I okay? Am I okay? Tell me, I'm. I really messed up with this week. Does he love me? He does. Okay, I keep messing up. What more than that? I look quiet on me this morning. What more than that? And so she said, "Husband, listen, man. Please. You can hear the earnest in her voice. Please, let's make some changes around here. I'm not asking for anything big. I'm." Listen, I want to tell you, I went out and I fed the man and and I had a chance to talk to him. There's something there. But I don't want him just walking by. Today, do you just, are you happy with just feeling God on Sunday morning? I'm going to go out on a limb for some of you. Guess what? You can know his presence 24-7. You can know the presence and favor of God. He'll show up and He'll make His presence known. You, you can't physically live on that high all the time, but He can make His presence known. I have woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and He's in the room. I've not worshipped Him, but, but He knows my heart. And I wake up and it's like, He's here. I can, my heart is flooded with emotion. He's in the room. I'm sleeping, and he's here. And I'm a presence junkie. I am addicted. I'm walking in the woods, and he's there. I'm going through tough times, John, and he's there. I don't know what to do with this problem, and he's there. And he has a sense of humor, and he loves me, and he's incredible. We're at our first pastor, and I've got a stupid copying machine that won't copy, and it's Saturday night, and people get mad if you don't have a bulletin. I've grown. But there was a time that was important to me, and it's Saturday night late, and this copier, which has been a problem, it won't work. And I'm frustrated. I want to go home. And I, I said, God, what am I going to do? I can't get any copies. I know you all, some of you all won't believe this. When you get to heaven, you ask God and he'll tell you. He told you the truth. I pulled down the panel and I looked at all those insides. And God said, stick your hand in there and go like this. <laughs> Telling you the truth. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. Hey, nobody's here. I'll never have to tell this story. <laughs> I stuck my hand in there, and I go like that. And I had the best laugh. I thought, this is absolutely ridiculous. I hope there's no cameras seeing this. I just stuck my hand in a machine. I pull it out, and, and there was a little bit of ink and stuff on it. And I thought, that's just silly. And in my heart, I'm thinking, okay, God, thanks for the laugh. That's just great. And I got up off my knees, and I was going to go home, but then it hit me. I hadn't made my copies yet. Did you don't think... I went over to in 25, hit copies. They came out so beautiful looking. And I didn't have the guts to tell the people at the church, but, 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 you know, Sunday school teachers are coming in, and they're making copies the next day, and they go, Pastor, what did you do with the copy machine? It's never worked as good. I didn't want to tell them. I stuck my hand in it and went like that because they wouldn't believe me. I had to wait till we left there to be able to tell the story. He is an incredible God. He's an incredible God and he, he doesn't want a part-time believer. Listen, listen, he is raising up a bride for his church. He's raising up a church that is a bride for his son. He is not going to drag her down the aisle. It's like the dad at Disney World spanking his kid. You will have fun. This is Disney World. Saw it. Jesus deserves more than that. This will be a bride who wants to be there. She has longed for that day. She's given herself for that day, and and this woman who had what seems like everything knew there was something wrong, and so she reached out, and notice the first step. She persuaded him to eat something. I want to ask you, what are you doing to persuade God? You don't have to persuade him to love you. You don't have to persuade him for forgiveness. But you have to persuade him that you're intentional about your relationship with him. And out of that, she has the drive. And the, 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 the that's what you ought to get in church on Sunday. Something ought to say, hey, husband, wife, let's change some things about our house. Make some room. Listen, husband, please. Let's... Let's make a little room on the wall. Just, I just want to put a bed and a lampstand and a, a chair and a table, and, and just so that when, whenever he comes by, he'll stop in. Years ago, I said it before I could think about it, but I had a pastor, and I know me, he went well. He said, "I've I got to ask you a question. How's come? Everywhere you go, it grows." And I've been at my church for 10 years and we're not growing. What should I do? I said, you need to find out what you're doing that's ticking God off and stop doing that. Is that too direct? See, you see, what, 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 what our role here is, is to create an environment that God feels comfortable and filling. He inhabits our worship. And whether that worship is, we can't define it just in in what what Derek helps us with, but it's more than that, it's our life. The very breath in your lungs, He gave that to you. It's your life, and so, so everything we do is worship. And it needs to be seen as that. You need to make room for Him on your job site. Listen to me for a moment, I'm going to wrap this up. You need to make room for Him on your job site. Everything you do is is under the Lord. People ought to know you're a Christian, not because you can quote Romans 8.28, but because there's something different about the way you attack your job. It's with a fervor and and an an effectiveness and and an integrity because everything you do, you do for God. It's worship to Him. Your breath, blessings and cursings out of the same mouth, shouldn't be. Find yourself cursing, get along with God and ask Him, what's in my heart? And lose the excuse, well, they made me. They didn't make you do anything. I'm glad I'm not up for vote. She said, let's make a little bit of room. Make a little bit of room in our house. I don't want him just passing by. I want there to be a place that any time he wants to come, he can come. And he'll find a welcome here. Are you getting that message? In our heart, you ought to be welcome in every room. Those parts of us that we're leaving closed off because, because we don't trust or because we've been burnt or because we've been lied to or because we don't understand. That's the part He wants. If your God is anything like my God, He doesn't come into all those rooms I've opened to Him. He comes into my house and He goes right to that one door that I just, I just, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me that way. I'd rather he just left it alone. You've well said you don't have five husbands. You don't have a husband. You've had five. That's the door he knocks on. Because he's a jealous God. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of your affections. He wants all of your attention. He wants you to have a place that any time And so you know what he just does? He just keeps showing up. Showing up. You can be going through a hard time and you still go through the hard time, but he's right there. You can wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Can't see him with your natural eye. You can't hear him with your natural ear, but your spirit says he's here. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You know He's here. You haven't prayed. You haven't lifted up a song. But He's right there. And then I read in Job that God comes to us in the midnight seasons of our life. That he, And He does things in our heart that we would not allow Him to do in us when he, we're awake. And I say, God, is that what you're doing? Those things that during the day, I said, God, I don't want that in my heart. Would you get it up? Are you visiting me in the night seasons and you're dealing and changing my heart? Because you know what? He has changed my heart about some things. Have you made room? And it happened one day. And she said to her husband, Look now. Jesus said it this way. I'm going to have to paraphrase. He said, Are you so foolish? You may not know the day, but you should know the season. I don't know when it's going to snow this winter. Sorry to bring up a bad subject. But I know at some point it's going to. And you won't have to tell me, hey, pastor, it's winter. I'll know. I'll just know could just tell. Are you aware of the season we're getting into as a body? Somewhere along the line they got the bright idea that men ought to be in the delivery room as children are being born. If I ever meet the person who brought that up, all kidding aside, comes a time that it's inevitable. We're getting to that time, folks. Now. Now. Everything else is a distraction. Everything else is a distraction. Promotions can be a distraction. This job offer, that job offer can be a distraction. Distraction. Just because it seems good doesn't mean it's good. Just because it seems bad doesn't mean it's bad. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. It looked good. I've seen it happen. They struggle, they struggle, they give their heart to God. God does incredible things in their life. They are unemployed, now they're employed. They start paying their tithes, they start giving, start following after God, and then they come to me, and I can almost feel it. They come to me, and Pastor, guess what happened? Got a job offer, got a job promotion. I love rejoicing with people who rejoice. I said, Tell me about it. Well, there's a bad side. I'm working Sundays and Wednesday nights. But listen, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to... I like what Billy Graham said. Is it a a sin to miss church on Sunday? Billy Graham says, no. I'll put it this way. If my donkey fell in the ditch on Sunday, I'd get it out on Sunday. But if my donkey kept falling in the ditch on Sunday, I'd get a new donkey. (laughs) I want to make room for him have you made room right now right now I'm asking the Holy Spirit to quicken your heart what have you allowed to crowd out what have you allowed to crowd out your time with him what have you allowed doesn't matter what it is it's not worth it doesn't matter how noble the cause it's not worth it what have you allowed uh, there, there's some people here I just did just as I said that I envisioned on the wall a a small room and in and, and the bed and the, the chair and the table and the candle or the lampstand and i saw cobwebs on it there's somebody here you you once made that place but he's not stopping by anymore because you've crowded it out you crowded it out with busyness or hurt or doubt or fear or success or what have you crowded it out with What have you crowded it out with? I'm challenging you as your pastor because I love you. Would you make room? One day. Look now. One day. Today. One day. Today. She said to her husband, look now. If you look before, people will say, you know, Pastor, they've been preaching for 30 years. Jesus is about to return. I understand. I'm telling you, I'm not responsible for anything everybody ever preached. I'm responsible for what I preach. And I'm telling you, look now. Look now, today, this one day, this one day. And so the man sad and he looked at his life and he saw all the all the good things going on and he says man God's really been good to me I'm 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 going to I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns because I know that God loves me he's going to be even better for me tomorrow Jesus said thou fool you didn't look now. Because today, today, your soul is required of you. Look now. Would you stand to your feet? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.